If you're an entrepreneur who's not on top of your business finances, you need a good dose of FreshBooks in your life. FreshBooks is the ridiculously easy cloud accounting software made specifically for small business owners who need to find a better way to deal with their paperwork. It literally takes about 30 seconds to create and send a polished professional looking invoice. They can even show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice you've emailed. With two clicks, FreshBooks can set you up to receive payments online as well. For a 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com money and enter Listen Money Matters in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. There is no correlation between the amount of pasta you consume and your level of financial literacy. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? And is it pasta-flavored beer? It's unfortunately it's- not, but that's pretty much... I, I carb load, because you know I'm <laughs> bulking up for the summer. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm drinking a Nomad, and you know, I, I saw the bottle. It was like freshy salt and pepper. It's ale brew with seawater from Freshwater Beach of Sydney. Has like Tasmanian pepper. Um, huh. But it's also only a 4.5 ABV, so I can go the distance today. Pepper in your beer. You know, it's it's very, it's like a Pilsner. Um, I mean, okay. they say it's an ale. It's it's more towards a Pilsner end. I don't know if okay. I tasted the pepper, though. It's good. I am drinking a Strongbow uh, Cherry Blossom Cider. Ooh. It's pretty good, actually. Recommendation from Martin, so... We've got like the mix and match beer section where you can just get six of whatever you want, like that, individuals, which is nice. So sometimes we just get random bottles and that's how we discovered it. It's pretty good. But yeah, uh, today's quote came from Adam Carroll on Twitter. I just happened to look at Twitter and I saw him tweet that and I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> Put that on the show right there. Yes. <laughs> so we haven't talked to Adam in a while. I, think I know his, his documentary came out. So. Maybe we've got to get him back on the show. We do. We at some do. point in the future. Uh, speaking of pasta, I have, I have perfected my pasta recipe. So I can now cook one thing that's really objectively good. Is this like the salting <laughs> of the water technique? Oh, I don't do that. What's that? Do you put salt for, in the water? For pasta, you have, to, you have to salt the water a little bit. Oh, well, I the pasta I buy is like tortellini. Mm. So I don't know if you're supposed to do that. Maybe you are. Oh no, no. I guess it's only for like the hard pasta that you do. Okay. No, this is like pre-cooked somewhat. You just do it for three minutes. Mm. So I don't know. I could try putting salt in the water for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty simple, but, um, I was eating like peppers and onions and now I've switched to using peppers and asparagus and I saute all the vegetables separately from the meat so they're all crispy and filled with garlic and butter and stuff and then i dump them into the simmered meat and it's so good nice yeah got it's a a recipe i basically adapted from chase reeves so thanks chase (laughs) you're listening to this particular episode of lmm (laughs) anyway guys today we've got five questions and Andrew, this first question you put here. Oh, okay. So it's technically five and a half questions. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, you added another one, didn't you? Yes, you did. You told me I would be mad about one of these questions. I'm not sure which one you were talking about. It's so you'll on. have to explain yourself once we get to it. But I, I guess I think we're it's starting number out. three. It's number three. But well, let's okay. get. We'll get there. We'll get okay. There. So we're starting out. Oh, yeah. This question. I thought you you were saying like I was going to be mad, like personally offended or something. Mm. But now I get what you meant because yes, this question was like I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> Got me real steamed, man. Anywho, the first question is yeah, it's like half a question. 
This is from an anonymous emailer, but uh, he or she says, I've noticed that you guys tend to be drinking beer on each of the podcasts, which is wrong. I will point out. So I, I guess I'm drinking a beer right now. So you also drink LaCroix. <laughs> I drink a lot of LaCroix. I got a LaCroix can right here. It's uh, LaCroix just sounds like the, like the craw of some predator or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me first just say, Fuck, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'd like to know what kind of job I can get that will let me drink beer in the morning without the whole judgy, this guy's probably an alcoholic vibe. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess you could become like a beer taster or work uh, at a brewery. Also, but wait, dude, at the end, the guy said, uh, please don't use my name as my current job frowns on asking questions like these. <laughs> okay, so we need a fake name. Uh, we're going to go with Fernando. Hmm. All right. So, Fernando, um, I think the surefire answer is to work for yourself because then it's just you, your office and your fridge where the beer is. That's right. And the only one That's- who will judge you is your cat or your your hamster. Yeah. Though now Anna and Martin are usually home and they're working, you know, on CIG. So if I go grab a beer for a podcast, then I will get judged <laughs> in a joking way, but still a little bit. <laughs> I'm curious, what other kind of job could you have? The thought, the other thought in my head was maybe some really hipstery startup that's like we've got beer on tap in the office. But even then, I think bartenders. They can. Uh, okay, yeah, but not in the morning. Well, who's bartending in the morning? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, so I take a walk in the morning with Laura, and we were walking, and we saw this uh, woman sitting outside, and it was like, I don't know, nine thirty, and she's just outside on a table with a white wine. And we both we both are like, wow, I want to do what she does. <laughs> well, I remember when I was at South by Southwest, we woke up and just had mimosas. So that's, that's awesome. the thing you can do. Mm. Yeah. Or a Bloody Mary. There's morning drinks. Mm. But when I read the book, it was I think it was a history of the world in six classes. I learned that before coffee and tea became really prevalent, like in Britain and other countries, especially here in America, uh, people woke up and just had beer for breakfast. It was that was sterile. a thing to do. So what you're going to want to do, Fernando, is get yourself a time machine, right? You're going to go back 150 years or maybe a little bit more. And then you can do whatever you want. Have your beer with breakfast and then go be a farmer or a factory worker. Yeah. Well, no, I don't I don't recommend getting drunk before working at a factory. Those things are real dangerous mm-hmm. back then. And I wouldn't recommend getting drunk before working at a farm today because you're like driving a combine that could probably like chop down a building or something. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe back then you have like, I don't know, a plow and an ox that doesn't care. Yeah. If you're half drunk, so you, whatever. So you have to take a job like Thomas <laughs> Ride that keep your hands soft. <laughs> hey, my hands are s- sort of tough still. All right. Calm from, down. From things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to admit that I just type at a computer all day, but that's what I do. Oh, you know what? Hmm. I'm going to go chop down some trees right after this. Spite you, Andrew. <laughs> All if right. I can find trees to chop down. All right. Second question. This is an actual money one. And I didn't know about this. Um, but this person, uh, Matt, says, do you feel Lending Club is still a prudent investment given the recent scandal issues they've run into? Is it something that we can ignore or will it have long-term impacts on the business and the quality of their loans? I'm considering a 50-50 split currently uh, my available investment funds between Betterment and Lending Club, in addition to my 401k, where I'm already contributing 12% of my income. So, so I didn't know about this. I read some articles 
when I saw it in the dock here, but what happened? Yeah, so in a typical, like, do as I say, not as I do, um, I, I, I fell in love with Lending Club. My returns have been amazing, and they went, they IPO'd. Mm-hmm. And it was the first IPO I've ever taken part in. Um, and uh, they, they never actually, there was like, the IPO was their high point, and they kind of like went down a little bit. And now there was a okay. scandal. And so in full disclosure, I do own a lot of Lending Club shares that sum up to maybe like $20 now. I mean, that's pretty, pretty <laughs> worthless. So wait, do you, do you also have loans from them too? Yeah, but, but the loans aren't affected. And so I kind of wanted to, because oh, okay. uh, we actually, we've gotten a lot of emails from this. Um, and I want to explain what happened uh, and then we can like talk about it. So um, two things happen. One, uh, there are people like us who buy loans from Lending Club, and then there are also big companies who buy loans from Lending Club. So if you imagine a hedge fund, uh, they see that we're getting like a 16% return or a 10% return. They want that. So they just go to Lending Club and they contract the purchase of large amounts of loans. Okay. And for a while, Lending Club was uh, like... uh, initiating many, many, or like tens of millions of loans a week. So there's enough for these companies to buy. And what happened is Lending Club sold $22 million in loans to a company. And they found out that after the fact that Lending Club had altered the origination date of these loans they sold to this company, which, which one is like they altered the the data on the loans yeah and two uh it was it wound up then clashing against the the explicit requirements of the company of what they want to purchase so it was uh it was probably there were probably chains that they could sell them to the company um so basically it's like a car dealership taking the chassis of an old crappy beater from the 50s slapping like a fake new car shell on top of it and being like here's your new car yeah or it's like the car's from the 50s and like ah it's actually from 65 right which may or may not change everything um now it was just a a limited amount of people who did this and they're all laid off okay um you know and i guess this could happen anywhere but um so for people who don't know what exactly does lending club do is it is my understanding correct in, in saying like they let people take out loans when they need them and then they sell the debt to buyers. Is that how it works? Basically? That, that's basically the, the gist of it. So imagine okay. you, um, you're going to start a business and you need a $5,000. You want to ref- mo- the most common, uh, thing that the loan that comes from lending club is a refinancing loan. So you have a credit card, that is charging you 16% interest. You can't pay it off. So you go to lending club. And this is what we recommend is going to someone like lending club, um, taking out a loan. Maybe the interest rate is 8%. So half of what it was at lending club and you pay off your credit card loan with the lending club money. And then you pay down lending club. Now you get a sick deal on a loan that a bank probably would never have given you and required an insane amount of paperwork. And then someone like me or another mm-hmm. investor can buy your loan and earn a much higher interest rate than they would be able to like otherwise on like bonds. Okay. So I read um, in some article about this where it was like, uh, it was an internal review or maybe no external review. Sorry. And it said that a uh, review of all loans from mid 2014 to present found that 99.9% were good above board. So I don't really know what to think about this because on one hand, you've got 
people in the company lying, doing business in not good ways. Now the company has said, we've gotten rid of all those people. Do you implicitly trust the company? You know, I I have a great example for you, dude. So first of all, I think we all know the whole Chipotle thing, right? There was like some people got sick and Chipotle was like on the forefront of like sustainable, healthy, organic, whatever. It shook their entire image in our stores. What? They had birds in their stores. Birds. Yeah. Did you hear like one of the problems they were facing is like there was one store where there was just a live bird flying around what? and Gro- uh, and the next day it was back. Um, <laughs> so look, so it shook all of our like perceptions of Chipotle and they've uh-huh. been like really hurt uh, and they're still struggling. I don't know if you remember, um, but not that long before then, this a similar uh, food issue happened with um, Taco Bell. I did not hear about that. So when it came out, it was a really big deal. And look, you don't even know. And who even remembers? And now everyone goes to Taco Bell and they recovered. So we we all have short-term memory for that stuff. So I think it's really bad for Lending Club now. Bad things happen. Not everyone is going to alter the whatever of the loans. It's obviously illegal. Um, So I don't think that it's like a worry. Um, But So you're still confident? So I'm still confident. Um, they they had a, a a separate person or whatever agency come in and check over all their data, and, and it hasn't happened other than this scenario. Okay. Um, and this was under a certain CEO who also wound up um, investing in a company. And when you're when you're like a head of a, a financial company, you have to disclose all this stuff and follow all these regulations. He invested in this company and then went you know, tried to have lending club do business with them, which is illegal. So he had to resign basically as the result of these two things. And the way I see it is the people got fired. The CEO is gone. So, so the bad eggs are out. Huh? Well, I can see your argument. I suppose personally, I would be the type to maybe sit back and wait and make sure everything goes well for a while before I would want to put my money into it, Mm. you know, and that's just me. Yeah. I I don't know. You know, and I person, I personally use lending club, which is why I like it, but there's also like prosper and other marketplaces that are very similar. So Um, are you still going to use them? You know, uh, I'll be honest. I put, uh, I think I have like maybe $2,500 in lending club right now. Mm. And, it just um, the return is awesome. I'm definitely above fifteen percent, but it takes so much time to like put. You know, so if you have five hundred dollars to invest and you're investing twenty five dollars in a loan, you know, you have to find a lot of loans. Not all of them become actual loans. They don't get fully funded, or they lied on their application, and Lending Club doesn't let the loan go through. So it just became too much work for me to continue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. But if I had more time, I think I still would. Okay. Alrighty. Well, yeah, I guess I'm not exactly sure what to think myself, but I'm glad all the bad eggs are ostensibly out of the company at this point. Uh, I have never played with Lending Club, so. But I guess there's kind of three angles that you can go at this because you can be a consumer, you can be a buyer, or you can be an investor in Lending Club itself. Mm. And I would imagine on the consumer side, they were never really affected because the terms of their loan were 
set, right? They just, they owe money. Yeah. And I mean, if you're looking to refinance, uh, you don't really care how your loan is funded, right? You're getting like a good deal. Um, and as long as yeah. you pay them back, it, it will only positively affect your credit. And once Lending Club sells the debt, are they kind of, have they washed their hands of the entire thing? Yeah. Lending Club is just a broker. They don't keep any of the debt on their books. Um, they don't they just, like back any of it or anything like that? No, no. It's like an, basically an origination fee. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess once the loan is created, like they're out of the process mm-hmm. and you shouldn't have to worry about them. Cool. So next question. This is the one that is going to make me mad, right? Yeah, I think I, so. Supposedly. <laughs> All right. So uh, there's no name on this. So we're going to go with uh, That's Bernice. Going with Bernice. <laughs> it's a guy. It's a guy. So oh, actually, it's a guy. Bernie. 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 All right. Yeah. Or Bernice. I don't know, man. You never know. <laughs> Actually, says. true. True. I'm, to all the male Bernices, I apologize. <laughs> so he says, I need advice on a relative who's saying we owe them money. So to make a very long story very short, I've been married for four years. And late last year, my wife and I became debt free. And we were well on our way to saving up for a down payment on an investment property. Last night, I come to find that my mother-in-law is demanding a huge sum of money from my wife. Instead of being like a normal family where parents actually help their children, she kept every receipt from when my wife was age 18 onward, and she's now 36, and now she wants it being paid back. The list includes things like breaks on my wife's first car, new basketball shoes from her senior year in high school. My wife never signed anything, but apparently verbally agreed at the time to pay back some of this money. I realize that from a legal standpoint, we probably owe nothing, but I feel as though we're morally, we are responsible for whatever my wife agreed upon. Just where should the line be, line be drawn? So yeah, Andrew, I am mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> because, look, if you transactionalize, okay, actually, I, I want to back up for a bit. I don't know the situation, and I would imagine that the husband does not know what was truly said back when his yeah, wife he was wasn't there. Yeah. So it could have been, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about the wife. This is a completely hypothetical situation. But it could have been like when the wife was a teenager, she was like totally rebellious, totally awful. was like making her parents life hell. And then her parents were like, fine, you know what? I'm, I'll am i keep helping you, but only if you completely pay me back. Mm. So I don't know the story. Here, but dude, right? who even remembers like what they said in an argument a yeah. week ago? Like, that? I mean, 18 to 36. That is a long time ago. How could anyone yeah. remember exactly what was so agreed upon? That's a really long time. I just wanted to kind of like put that scenario out there to be like, this isn't a cut and dry situation. That being said, if you're someone's mom and you want to transactionalize every, like if you want to keep record of every transaction that's ever happened and you want to just become a bean counter for everything you've ever done to help your, your child, like, do you really love your child? Hmm. Cause it doesn't sound like it to me. Like it sounds like you care more about the money than you care about your relationship. So maybe this is a situation where sure you pay back the mom and you're like, you know what this is going to do mom. This is going to destroy a relationship. Hope you yeah. don't want to see your grandchild in a few years because obviously you're, you're communicating to us that you care more about money than us. You know, this, uh, this was oh. a question in the community and there was a very interesting discussion that continued after this and I, I think one, I mean, I agree with you. Like, oh, if my, if my parents said that to me, I would be screwed 
because I don't know, they bought Laura and I dinner how many times or well, all these yeah. like little things throughout the years. But also, I mean, we've bought Mother's and Father's Day gifts and, you know, we've treated them to things. And I, I think uh, it's this weird situation where when you're young, they first of all, it was their choice to have you. Right. And they mm -hmm. take care of you. And granted, 18 is like the legal adult situation, but it's probably more of a sliding scale, especially lately with trouble with the economy. And then later in life, when you're older and they're much older, you're probably taking care of them closer to how they did when you were like 18. Right. So um, it's almost like a paying it forward type of like situation. Yeah. Well, Bernie is... I don't feel like Bernie is legally or morally obligated to pay any money that his wife got into, you know. But I mean, he he is kind, I mean, he has to support his wife. Yeah, this is a tough situation. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. If what were some is, of the responses in the community? So, um I'll, I'll let you pull it up. Uh but uh if it was my situation, and this was Laura's parents, which it's not. Um, I don't know that I would be involved at all. I, I, w I don't even know if I would want to like, I, I guess I would sit at a table with Laura because I want to support her. But I don't know if I would say anything. Well, you um, guys have, uh, you've kind of combined your finances at this point, right? We have. Yeah. So now it's, now it's also your problem, isn't it? Yeah, but they're, they're not my parents. And, and I, you know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I, if Laura had agreed upon something, I mean, I would definitely wasn't there and you know, I don't think that we should go against whatever was agreed upon. Um, because if they agree upon paying back the mom, like that's your money too. Now that's going to be going to that person. Mm. Like how? How do you sit back and say, like, I'm not going to be involved in this decision when it involves the money you made? Well, OK, look, I, I would have long, probably very heated discussions with Laura. And I mean, first of all, this is not our situation, but I imagine I could imagine us in this situation. And I think Laura would be on my side in that, you know, probably not wanting to. I mean, I think I feel like the question itself is a little ridiculous. Like, how could a mom do that? But yeah, you have to come to you have to come to some agreement. And uh, well, I'm looking at it now, and it's like it's a pretty substantial amount that mm. this person wants. You could say the amount. I mean, it's thirty four thousand dollars, which is insane. Yeah, this. Oh my gosh. I guess if I were to throw away all the anger and like indignation at this, I would hopefully want to salvage the relationship and i suppose the best way to do that would be to try to find some middle ground where it's like obviously if you're going to come to your daughter and demand a crazy amount of money you're either one batshit insane or mm. two you need money like i don't think a parent in the right mind who's financially secure is going to be like you know what my child really does need to pay me back this exact amount mm. So if the but crazy part, it says out, that she's kept receipts, which like kind of implies intent. And like, she's been like sitting and waiting deviously. Yeah. I don't know, man. 
you know, um, and it's a definitely a totally different conversation because if you know, if my mom came to me and she needed help, obviously I'd have a conversation with Laura, and you know, it's our money, but we would probably help her as we would Laura's mom. You know, and or, I think dad, your mom but, would say, "Hey, I'm really sorry to do this. You know, I know a parent doesn't want to have to do this, hmm. um, but I need help." You know, and in that kind of a context, I think you're much like more likely to be like, "Yeah, I want to help my parent out." But, so but put if your mom like comes this. up and she's like, I've actually kept every receipt since you were 18 and you owe me 35. I'm like, I have, what are you, a freaking credit agency? Yeah, like that's crazy. Like, I'm glad you haven't killed me in my sleep. Like, that's and crazy methodical. if it was like 2,000 bucks or something, I'd probably be like, okay, here you go. Don't call me again. Like, you're not the person that I grew up with or maybe you are. I don't know. Family and money, man. It's, it's really <laughs> hard. And look, it, the, the chances are the mom's not listening. But people in that situation might be. So, like, if you distilled it down, how would you approach it? How would I approach it? Mm. It's like my own mother did this to me. Or your mother? I guess, no, I'm, I'm actually the dude. So, if my girlfriend's mother did this to me, give me both ways. And it's and it's 18 years later. Oh my gosh. You know what? I'm not sure if I can just come up with an answer on the fly to that. Uh, I would probably first try to have a conversation with the mom and be like, are you sure this is how you want to go about this? Like, why do you feel the need to come to us now for this money? Mm. Do you need money? Do you need help? Uh, or is it just because you want it to be fair and square? And if that's the case, like why, you know, I think that's going to guide the decision I make. What's the intent? What's, where's the person coming from in asking this? That, I think that is maybe the the golden approach because I think like leading with the anger or the combativeness, like it, it can only go down from there. But I think if you kind of try and approach it from fixing a problem situation, like, you know, it's like you're at work and some uh, something broke or, you know, something wrong happened and trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, I think at least you might be able to get a productive thing from it because you could you could always threaten things right like you'll never be able to see your grandkids or blah you know but that's like at the end that's like yeah. when when it there's clearly no reasoning to be had yeah i suppose the first thing i would do is not respond for like a day because <laughs> everything i'd want to say immediately would be toxic and hurtful and wouldn't get anywhere have a few lacrosse have a few lacrosse just do some meditation you know breathing exercises stare at a fire or something and then uh, come back with a little bit more level-headed response. One person in the community said, uh, you may need to just sit down and be like, number one, either there's not going to be any checks or we're going to come to an agreement. That's not exactly what you want. But I, I all I know is at this point, the mom can't involve another person. Mm. Right. That's just kind of crazy. Yeah. So tough freaking question. And there are some answers in the community with some more, uh, some more options, but yeah, it's all fun. FreshBooks is super simple cloud accounting software. They're helping over 5 million small service-based business owners conquer their admin and paperwork in a lot less time with way less stress. FreshBooks makes it easy to customize your invoices and highlight your brand. You could add your own logo, set your payment terms, and even personalize your thank you emails. 
If a client forgets to pay you on time, FreshBooks will handle the awkwardness for you with customizable late payment reminders. There's also a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're kicking off a project. For a 30-day unrestricted free trial, go to freshbooks.com money and enter Listen Money Matters in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, question four, which we have some answers written down here, so I think this one should be a bit easier. Uh, it says, my name is Matthew, I'm 25, just married, and I'm on my way to having my first child. Hopefully, you're not the one having it. I've been <laughs> looking at buying a house for the last few months, but after recently finding your podcast and listening to them nonstop, I'm not sure if I'm heading in a bad direction. We don't have a lot of debt besides one car, and I've got good credit, and I uh, make around $70,000 a year, while my wife, for now, makes about $24,000 a year until the baby hits, and... Uh, at the moment, we also don't have a lot in savings. So the loan I was looking at is a Navy federal loan, which is zero down, no mortgage insurance, uh, mortgage insurance but 5% interest, which sounds a bit high. Price-wise, I'm looking in the $230,000 to $275,000 range with no HOA, or at least a very low HOA. So I'm wondering if I should just go for it with that loan or rent and save up. I'm also looking into betterment for my retirement, but that's a whole other deal. Thanks for your time. So what do you think? So the, first question is 5% actually high for a home loan? Cause I don't know. Um, I've been seeing like 3.7 on mortgage calculators. That so yeah. At, so. so Laura and I, uh, in January or actually in December, we got like a 3.25. Um, okay. But so we, also, is... we also did an arm. So the, the number was lower, but, and then we okay. just closed on a rental property, which, which will be a separate episode. I feel like I'm like teasing it constantly, but it's, <laughs> it's a big deal to close it. Uh, that rate is 4.875. And part of it is because okay. we're not living in it personally. Oh, um, so our, in, our rates on interest, the investment properties more than? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know, because the bank says so, I guess. Um, but I think part of the rate might be high is because if he's putting no money down, often the way mortgages go is they're like, you like pay for points, basically. Like if you want to reduce it by this many points, um, pay us this much money, and all like compress your interest rate. Generally a bad deal anyways. Um, but, you know, if he hasn't to put anything down, I guess that's great. But then he'll also have a very large mortgage. Yeah, because that's just at least two hundred and thirty thousand dollars right off the bat at five percent. So, and you wrote down here that's like fourteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah. So the answer there is like thirty what, years. Yeah. What what I wrote down there is what I answered in email. So so first, tell me what you. Well, I didn't. I don't know much about home loans. So, but given that I've seen those rates lower, mm. my gut feeling is I would rent and save. Because of the rates. Number one, because, well, because of the rates, but number two, I just wouldn't be comfortable buying a home with zero down. Mm. You know, um, I had a girlfriend in early on in college and her parents actually put down 60 to 70%. I can't remember the exact figure, but they put down a huge amount on their home. So I, now that's paid off, you know, and it didn't take them long to pay it off. And I remember when I heard about that, I was like, that's the way to do it right there, you know? screw this 20% down stuff, but even 20% is still a significant amount. If you're going zero down, that's a lot of debt. Very little of the home is an asset at that point. And you can't use it to refinance anything like it's. So if the price goes down, you're underwater. Yeah. And I mean, talk about like wanting to be free. 
you know, and like what expenses do you have? And like, that's a huge expense you're stuck with for 30 years. Um, yeah, I know a lot of military people have to move around often. So, so here's a question for you. Hmm. If it was between zero down on a 230K home or 20% down on a 275K home, which would still be a bigger loan, which would be better? Hmm. And you're saying uh, if the rate remains constant? Yeah, if the rate's constant, because 20% down on 275 is what, like, nearing 60 oh, i'll tell you what i'll tell you what i think the answer 000. is but i don't think it's i don't think it's the necessarily right it's more like the asshole answer is i would buy the one with no money down because then i have zero risk and um and many places it's hard to evict people even if you purchase the home and you could declare bankruptcy and kind of get away uh pretty easily from a lot of it <laughs> so i might buy it and just not pay so you, be real, you know. I mean, like this is a hypothetical made up scenario. Uh, <laughs> I, I think like you have no risk with no money down. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, okay, like, but tarnishing that's the it. asshole answer. And I don't want to go with that, but I'm saying like, okay, say the house he's looking at was 275 and he fully intended to get 20% down. Is that better than doing zero down on a 230, which would be a very similar loan you'd end up with? I mean, I don't have access to these loans. I'm not, uh, I don't have military benefits. But that said, I think I would go with the money down. Like, if you can't have any skin in the game, skin in the game, like, you definitely don't want a home because you're that, dude, when, I don't know, like a wall collapses, like you're stuck. Like, this is something you owe, you owe the mm. bank money. So if you can't even put skin in the game before you move in, how are you going to deal with a wall collapsing? Okay. Yeah. And one thing they did say is when the baby's coming, they're going to lose um, $24,000 a year, or at least for as long as the maternity period is. Hmm. And they said they don't have a lot in savings. So I don't know. Stay flexible. Yeah. I would rent. rent. I mean, I'm just, I thought that 230 versus 275 question was interesting, but personally, I would just keep renting and saving. And I feel like there's like a false need to buy homes. I think that like, oh, well, I'm wasting money on rent, but you're also wasting money on mortgage interest. Um, yeah. And uh, there's something to say, like if he's paying, you know, 1200 or 1500 a month in rent and then decides like he lost his job, he needs to downsize or just done. There's like the air. He could just stop. He leave. That is the nice thing with renting. Anyway, uh, let's move on to our next question here. Mm trucking right along uh it says hey guys just started listening to your podcast and i'm loving it i've never invested before and i'm hoping to start but one of the problems i'm having right now is that uh i don't know much about mutual funds and i don't really know about all the companies i would be investing in if i picked one so do you have any advice on finding more green mutual funds and this is from annie Mm. so i remember us talking about there was a company i think it was called motif yeah that lets you invest in groups of companies that kind of share a common theme. Like I think it was like the, tech or whatever. the first year in Listen My Matters and I got an email and someone wanted to do socially responsible investing. Yeah. And I had no clue. I was, uh, first of all, I was, <laughs> I, I had no idea. And I thought like no company whatever is like socially responsible, but I, I looked online, I researched and it turns out, um, this company, you said motif, uh, they build like basically they call them motifs, but it's just like buckets of companies based yeah. on like some ideology, ideology, you know. Um, 
And they have one, uh, they have like actually multiple socially responsible ones, you know, and it could be. Yep. Um, solar companies are. So right now their social responsible motif is 6.8 return this year. The only thing, and I can't remember if we did an episode about them or if I just talked to you about them. I think it may have been the latter. I tried I so hard like, to get their CEO I on. I feel like their commissions were too high. Like I, th- I feel like I sat down and did some math and I was like, oh, so the way they do it, you're actually paying a lot. So that's actually why we don't talk about them much. Uh, they do have it, – it's not like um, jump off a cliff high fees, mm-hmm. but there's definitely transaction fees and then some other ongoing thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like – I mean like some, they can't. it's not competing with Betterment in terms of cost, right? Um, but it's right, definitely right. a cool product, and if you, that's something you want. And you, and you can't live with yourself if you're investing in. Here's the thing, though. Mm. I'm looking at, so you can actually go on Motif and you can look at the companies in their Motifs without buying them. And then you could just buy them yourself. But sure. I'm looking at their social responsible list here. And it's like Coca-Cola, Nike, Intel, Microsoft, Apple, like Pfizer, is this really a list of like green companies? This just sounds like a list of random blue chips. Well, and I'm sure that like Nike isn't the most green company in the world. I guess you'd have to look in deep, but, but like, so take for example, Apple, right? They create a bunch of iPhones that probably sit in landfills or something, but yeah. the company, uh, over 93% of their power in their data centers, offices, whatever is from, um, green power sources. Oh, really? Um, huh. most of which is from their own, they've, purchase solar farms and okay so uh i'm sure there's reasoning behind why yeah um maybe nike's green because i use slave labor in you know bahrain or something that sounds <laughs> not that green to me oh man <laughs> i've got a couple of other recommendations for you Annie, though yeah. uh, we talked to the founder of simply wall street on yes. our recent episode they have if you look at their grid views mode you can actually see little collections of stocks or of companies not stocks that uh, fit certain parameters and they do have a clean energy party um, grid here and you can see a bunch of companies here i think they have 32 that are all in clean energy green tech that kind of stuff oh and so they actually create like they create energy in yeah green it says ways. renewable and clean energy or clean tech energy firms from around the world mm. so we've got brookfield renewable partners meridian energy uh pattern energy group you know and you can actually they've got that i forget what they call it the little five-pointed grid thing to show you the future returns past returns health everything so you can actually see which of these companies fit your goals and you could probably assemble your own kind of basket of companies if this is something you really want to get into just be aware that it's you're getting into active investing and your returns may be lower i I think that's the, the the thing yeah so i think anytime you get into a theme like i want to be invested in these things the amount of research you got to do goes up and you know, the further away you get from the passive, just following the market. So Mm. it kind of gets away from our beginner recommendations, but I mean, your money's your money. Uh, Also, there's an article on Investopedia that we can link to. It says find green mutual funds you need to know. So there's the Calvert large cap growth fund. There's the Spectra green fund, Guinness Atkinson alternative energy fund, new alternatives fund, and the uh, Winslow green growth fund. Mm. So that's, there's five different funds that actually are, pre-made collections of green companies that you can buy into don't know what their fees are so do your research make sure that you're not going to be getting screwed over here but it's an option cool 
And uh, we'll have all three of those links in the show notes, both the motif and the Simply Wall Street, as well as this Investopedia article. And the last question is from Aaron. He says, currently, I'm struggling with getting myself to use money for fun. I'm using my income to basically maximum capacity to pay off the car loan, save for retirement, save for future graduate degree, and to fund my current degree. It's all productive, but I'm stretching things too thin and have difficulty spending money on fun things like travel. I'm not sure if others get caught up in making their money work for them in different ways and forget to have fun with it. So I just thought I'd ask because I'm looking for some strategies to make sure I save for fun things as well. For the love of beer, Aaron. Yes. <laughs> so yes, it's a good question. I think I've always left a little bit to have fun with. I would actually say that you kind of fit into that category too. That I, what, that hit Aaron's category or that I never have fun? I'm not that you never have fun, but you, you have difficulty spending money to possibly enjoy yourself. I don't know if you're, <laughs> I think you might not know me well enough. <laughs> I think that because you live in New York City, basically, mm. and you see me like scoff at an $80 restaurant well, bill. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> that's expensive here in Iowa. That's crazy. But I don't know. Like, I buy video games and I buy whiskey and stuff. I have fun with my money. I just try to hit my fundamentals too. All right. Fair enough. And I guess this just comes down to the way you budget. Because a lot of people like to try to allocate every dollar that's coming in to something productive. It's a little intense, but yeah. Yeah. And in my view, it's more just like I like having that little pipeline picture in my head where it's coming down and then I'm filling the bucket for my debt, for my fixed expenses I have to have to be able to pay for. And then from there, I can just allocate a portion like, OK, I've got this amount of debt. I want to pay that off by this date. I'm going to do that. But I need to leave a little bit for my sanity. And uh, this kind of goes back to something I was talking with Neil Prasricha on the on the uh, interview I did on my show this morning. He was talking about how like everyone has this idea that you have to work hard and have skills and do great work first and then be happy. But what we should really do is choose to be happy first and then you'll do great work and mm. then you'll have success. And I think if you never use any of your money or your time to have fun, then you're never going to be happy enough to get great work done. Like there has to be a little bit of breathing room. There has to be a little something you're excited for that's in the short term. Otherwise, like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. and you can't go too far with this because obviously you got to hustle, but there and, has to be a balance. You know, part of me feels like uh, Laura and I can really, um, we could bunker down. We could save like crazy. We have these like insane goals. And then like, before we reach these insane goals that, you know, everything becomes better, I die or she dies or something bad happens where we're not able to fully enjoy it. And mm -hmm. I think that um, I will never wish that I worked more um, or, yeah. you know, like I think that's I would, one of the top five regrets of like all the dying people. Like, I think I'll, I'll, if anything, I'll wish that I had more fun. And it's not like an excuse, like, well, spend everything because you're to die tomorrow. Like, I think you should, um, like, rightfully hope that you're not going to die tomorrow. Yeah. If there's any recommendation, recommendation that I can make for Aaron, it's to focus more on allocating time for fun, like really good fun instead of money, because you can have a lot of fun without a lot of money. So you know. I actually want to bring something up, um, uh, Matt, because uh, I, I talk to him occasionally. He's mm -hmm. still a good dude. Um, he was telling me about uh, the companion pass from Southwest. 
Um, so have, have you heard of the companion pass? Is it the thing that basically gets free tickets for his partner? Yeah, actually, like I, prob- I probably told you like 80 times. I've told like everyone that I know because I'm like, like psyched about it. Sounds but, insane. So um, if you get 110,000 points with Southwest and it's actually not nearly as hard as it sounds, um, you do like credit card churning things, um, you can get a companion pass where you could put another person's name on this card and then whenever whenever you fly with southwest they fly for free so southwest is most it's crazy it, 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 it <laughs> is crazy and the card is good for five years there's no oh like God. ongoing fee or whatever you do this you get the card good for five years i mean who even knows that southwest will be an airline in five years it sounds like a little bit tamed down version of that thing that american airlines used to have hmm Back in the day, I don't remember how long ago this was, if you got to a certain amount of miles, maybe it was like a million or something, insane amount, you know, very few people got this, but they would give you this pass that I believe would let you fly free and let you bring a guest. But people would like exploit it and they would like get a free flight for their friend and their friend would pay them money. Oh, shit. So, yeah, American Airlines had to actually take away some of those cards because they were supposed to be for life. Mm. Oh, my God. Free flights for life. Yeah, it was something like that. It was like, I don't remember if it was unlimited free flights. It might have been a limited amount per year or something, Mm. but it was it was crazy. Like they should have never made that move, but they did. And like unlimited data for for it. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's some people have, have exploited that, too. Yeah. You hear about the the Microsoft, what is it, OneDrive or SkyDrive thing? Mm -mm. Some dude uploaded 75 terabytes of data to it. What? Basically just to be a dick, I guess. But because of that, like everyone got a data cap on how much they could upload to it. Oh, my God. Yeah, there was a Reddit thread. It was like, what was an example of something that one person ruined for everyone? And that was on there. (laughs) But look, dude, with the companion pass. So, you know, you you go, you get this companion pass and um, you you don't want to do things because they're expensive. You want to save. But imagine if you could fly to like uh, Yosemite National Park or the Grand Canyon or I don't know, Maine and eat lobsters. And the flight was half off because your sniffing other was free. And I think it's like a great way to um, allow yourself to do things because it's really not that expensive one thing i would like to add here is you don't have to travel to the crazy expensive destination i know a lot of people were like man i really wish i could travel i really want to go to istanbul or london and then because they can't afford it they just don't go anywhere but you could have a lot of fun just like renting a lake house on airbnb for a weekend or one of the most fun trips i had with anna is i read about this crazy ass place called house in the rock Mm. which is like this weird like roadside attraction crazy mansion it's like the weirdest place i've ever been to it's literally like you fell into alice in wonderland sounds awesome and it's like a four-hour drive from my house so we drove there we stayed in this dingy 70s hotel for like 70 bucks went to it and then went to this cool restaurant and it was super cheap because we just drove Mm. and it was really fun so if you feel like you're not having fun like find a lower key activity you're probably still going to have a lot of fun just get out of the normal cycle of things. We were watching this show and then kind of along those lines, there was like a magic house or like a oh, castle yeah? or something. And like these people went there and it's all people doing magic tricks and stuff. And I, I don't know, maybe it's like a hundred dollars enter for two people for the night. Yeah. You could do something like that. Not splurge. That's like, that's an awesome story. Yeah. 
Um, I did want to add one thing, and I don't know if I wrote this or Laura wrote this. I, I doubt that you wrote this, but there's a I line. I didn't write this. You, you didn't write this, right? <laughs> Maybe it was me and I forgot, but it's in here and I'm like, you know, I should read this. Um, <laughs> it's so cheesy. I, I have to read it. Um, if you're looking for ways to splurge, perhaps one splurge you can make is on the LMM community. This is where you can get a bunch of other money nerds in the same position to help with ideas and debating it out. I think you fit right in. Um, I think you did write that, Andrew. I probably did write that. And then that, you're but, like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's cool in there. We hang it out. It's pretty cool. talk about money things, you know, if you're into if, that. If your idea of fun is geeking out about money, mm. which I mean ours is, so there must be some people out there, then hey, that's an option. Yeah. But seriously, go book a weekend trip on a really cheap place. Like a lake at an air or a lake house from Airbnb could be so much fun. Uh, and I want to do that now. But I've got two trips coming up. So that's enough fun for the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you want to email us or ask questions, our email is listenmoneymatters at gmail.com or our community full of money nerds is a great place to post other questions. And I did, forgot to say this in the intro if you want to give us catchphrases, on Twitter, we're at Money Matters Man, and we would love to read your stupid, silly catchphrases on the show. Mm. Lastly, um, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find our favorite apps and tools, books that we recommend. So check that out if you're looking for some cool stuff to help you grow your money. And that's all we got. So we'll see you in next week's episode. Later, dude. Later, man. Tell your friends about this show. Special thanks goes out to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. She works hard for the money. So hard for the money.